Thanks for listening to another message from Life Christian Church. We hope it challenges and encourages you and helps you to grow in your faith. Don't forget, download our app to stay up to date with what's going on at Life. Share your prayer requests or pray for others. Read the Bible online and much, much more. Simply search for Life Christian Church in your app store. Uh, for those that were in the room last week or perhaps gathered online, I love that story that he shared uh, about Susanna Wesley. And let me refresh your memory, but it's a great story. Uh, Susanna Wesley was the mother of 19 children. Get your head around that just for a moment. 19 children, uh, including that one of her sons, the Methodist preacher, her, um, her son John, and also her son Charles, who uh, are quite well known, in the, in, obviously, in the Christian scene. Charles, a prolific hymn writer and creative. I was encouraged by that story of Susanna Wesley and particularly about her use of her apron. And uh, I love that story how Susanna, when she needed to find a quiet place, a still place, would take her apron, flip it up over her head, and take time to be with God. I think that's a great story. It's a great image. Her children understood if mum was the apron, you, you don't go asking questions. You leave mum be. It was quite funny, Peter, actually, as he was sharing that story, he said, where would you go to find a quiet place as he was about to, to pose that Susanna put uh, her apron over her head and Haley quietly leant over to me and she just said, to the bathroom. <laughs> I wonder how many of us try to find that quiet place. There's no question that Susanna Wesley certainly knew how to go about that and made a way in which she could find a quiet place and lean into God. She understood that she was never, ever, ever alone. And I reckon we could learn a whole lot from Susanna Wesley. I wonder what it would look like if we offered this week to run an apron-making workshop I wonder how many of us would want to sign up for that to make an apron so we could find a quiet place. You see, I suspect that there's something deep within each of us that longs for a quiet place, an apron place, a still place. You know, in life, truth be told, I think we all know this. I'm not telling you anything new this morning, but it really is so easy to become over, overcome overrun by the tyranny of the urgent, the things that keep coming at us, the to-do lists, the things we have to get done, which can be sometimes a great trap, a great uh, rabbit warren, if I can put it that way, that leads us into attempting to do life in our own strength. We think sometimes that we're so oh so efficient we have the checklist on the fridge, we get the, the reminders and the notifications on our phone and we tick those things off and we get through it and we can think we're oh so efficient. Doing things in our own strength. You know, I would suggest that perhaps all too often as we strive and work really hard to do things in our own strengths, I think all too often we can become depleted and we begin to operate out of an empty tank. Finding ourselves deficient of the very energy, the power that God has made available to each of us. You know, sadly, 
And with a great sense of humility, I know that I could put my hand up this morning and say, I know what it is to have tried to do life in my own strength and at times wrestle with that. And at times I know what it is to operate on a depleted tank. I've been there. I know what that's like. I wish it wasn't the case. I wish I learnt more quickly to lean into God. Well, having said all of that, there is some good news this morning. Who would like some good news? Yeah. Who would like some good news this morning? The good news is this. I am... You are never, ever, ever alone. Can someone say amen this morning? Let me remind you that today you made a great decision. You've already made one great decision this morning, and that was to climb out of bed on a cold winter's morning, get out of bed, get up, get yourself moving, and get along to church on what was a fairly uh, windy morning. You made a good decision. Today is a good day to find yourself in church. It's not, it's not just a day that we do this because it's Sunday and we do it every day. Today is a good day to find yourself in church. Because I believe with all my heart this morning that God wants to bring a word of encouragement to every single one of us. God wants to remind every single one of us this morning that we are never, ever alone. Turn to your neighbor and say, I am never alone. Turn to the neighbor on the other side and say, I am never alone. Turn to the person behind you and say, you are never alone. Turn to the person in front of you and say, you are never alone. Now calm down. You're too rowdy. <laughs> we are never alone. You know, it's, um, it's said about Martin Luther the founder of the Protestant Reformation in the 16th century. It is said of him that when he was tempted to great despair, faced some of his darkest days in his journey, some of his darkest moments when his world was falling apart, it is said of Martin Luther. And there's no question that this is a man who trusted in God's word. But Luther would often turn to his great friend and uh, I guess you'd say uh, in our terms, his sidekick, the man that journeyed with Martin Luther. A, a man by the name of, uh, let me get this right, Philip Melanchthon. He would turn to Philip Melanchthon and he would say these words. Check it out. He would say, come let us sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his worst. What a great quote that is. Come let us sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his worst. What a powerful declaration. You know, we've sung that song this morning, so I'll stand. A powerful declaration, but what a powerful declaration that is. Come let us sing the 46th Psalm and let the devil do his worst, whatever that may be. Such was Luther's understanding of the Word of God. Such was his appreciation for the authority of the Word of God. He understood the power of the written Word from a living God. Martin Luther knew that he was never, 
ever alone. No matter what his day looked like, no matter how dark his days were, he understood that he was never, ever alone. So today, I want to have a look at this psalm with you, Psalm 46. And as we have a look at this psalm, we'll discover that it is far, far more than a few well-used verses about living a contemplative life. You know, Psalm 46, just to give you a little insight, opens with instructions on how this psalm, how this song was to be played. There's instruction how this psalm should be sung as a song, how it should be played, how it should be performed, how it should be used in worship. I don't know about you, but I've never sung the 46th psalm in a church service that I'm aware of. But it is written to be a worship song. A little bit more around this psalm, these verses would have been a great encouragement in their day written to the children of Israel in a time of war and a time of conflict, a time of uncertainty. It was requested to be performed by the most skillful of musicians. The request was that the best of the best of the best would perform this psalm. This psalm was to be used as a great declaration amongst God's people. So today, I want to take us on a little journey. And we're going to take a look at this psalm, this text, through the lens of a song structure. We're going to break it down into what will be two reflective verses, verse 1 and 2 of the song. I'm not talking about verse 1 and 2 of the psalm. I'm talking about song structure, two verses, two reflective verses. We're going to pull it together in a prophetic bridge. Every song needs a bridge. It's got to go somewhere. This one has a prophetic bridge. The cool thing about this song is it also will discover uh, later on in the passage that it has a guest spot. This song brings in a guest artist and his name is God and he has a little bit to say and he comes in and I don't know if he busted out a rap or how he presented it but God does a guest spot. Then we're going to have a look at a chorus. Every good song needs a chorus, right? I don't know if you've ever been in your car driving along, the radio's on and it's kind of just, you know, maybe on eight or nine volume setting, just sort of quiet. And then all of a sudden, a song comes on, showing my age, but a song comes on from about the mid to late 90s. And you know that song. And you can't remember all the words, but then the chorus kicks in. And you find yourself in the, in the car, maybe by yourself, maybe with your family, and you turn that radio up from about 8 to 20. And you begin to sing this chorus like you were still 15 years of age. Has anyone else ever done that? My son tells a story of travelling with Jeff Haberley and they turned a certain song up to, I think it was 46, in their car. And he still raves about that day, Jeff. So thank you for your influence on my son. I won't tell people what the song was. He's trying to work it out. We're going to have a look at the chorus of this song not once but twice. It's a chorus that is a powerful, to be a powerful, powerful declaration. Are you with me this morning? So verse 1, we're going to move pretty quickly. Verse 1 of this song speaks of the help of God. If you're taking notes, write this down, the help of God. 
verse 1 of this song, highlighting that God is greater than any crisis. Can I hear an amen? God is greater than anything that we face, that we go through, that we'll ever face or go through. Come with me. Psalm 46, verse 1 to 3 reads, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Here's some powerful, powerful words that remind us that in all seasons, everybody say in all seasons, in all seasons, we would do well to run toward God. You see, verse 1 tells us, God is our refuge and our strength. It's personal. God is our refuge and our strength. You see, it's personal because God is personal. I'm sorry if I've disappointed you today and you thought we're going to look through the lens of a song and I was going to sing to you. Sorry to disappoint. See, God is personal. God is invested in you. God is ever present. He is always, always there. God is greater than any crisis. No matter what you face, and let me encourage you today, I don't know what you're facing. Some of us face some incredibly big Mountains, And I pray that you would know what it is to be able to say, God is bigger than any mountain I would ever face. But let me encourage you today, the truth of the fact is God is bigger than any crisis. That is who God is. Such is the help of God in our life. Such is the goodness of God in our life that he is bigger than anything that we could ever face. This is the help of God. Let me give you verse 2 of the song. Usually verse 1, you're trying to figure out, do I like this or not? Do I press, press skip? Um, pray this morning you don't press skip or get up and walk out. Verse 2. Verse 2 of this song speaks of the peaceful provision of God. Come with me to verses 4, 5, and 6. It reads this. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Isn't that the truth? Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. But he lifts his voice and the earth melts. You see, here we begin to see a shift. We see a shift from oceans roaring to gentle streams. You know, it's a long time ago now. It's probably 15 years ago. I spent six nights hiking the Western Arthurs with my father-in-law and a good friend of his. We had the most magical trip. We'd been up on the Western Arthurs, I think about five nights, and uh, we, we packed a dry tent every morning, not a spot of moisture. 
We made the decision, it was our last day up on, on, the, on the Western Arthurs and we were to drop back down into the valley to, to walk the valley floor back to our vehicle. It's a long walk, we dropped down off the Western, the Western Arthurs and we're in the valley and we chose to stay a night. We'd been up in the mountains for about a week and this particular night we camped right by this beautiful, beautiful, gentle stream. And we pitched the tent, I kid you not, we probably shouldn't have because if there had been some sort of flood, we would have been washed down the river. But we pitched the tent only about six feet off the edge of the lapping water. And I've got to tell you, it's one of the most peaceful nights I've ever spent in a tent. Just laying there, hearing these streams lap against the rocks. You see, from oceans roaring to gentle streams, from uproar to calm. This is speaking about God, the provision of God. Things shift from oceans roaring to gentle streams, from chaos to calm. Such is the life-changing power and provision of our almighty God. Can I hear an amen this morning? Let me lead you to the first chorus. And it goes like this. It's a powerful declaration speaking of our confidence in God. Verse 7, it says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. It's a pretty simple chorus. I could imagine Abe up here leading the service, trying to get us over the line, learn the new lyrics, stomping his leg. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Let me suggest this morning that because of God, our focus should... Let me say this morning, our focus does shift from this place of desolation to a place of declaration. Is to be a personal revelation that we are never, ever alone. The Lord Almighty is with us. Get a hold of that, church. The Lord Almighty is with us. The one who made all of earth, all of heaven, everything in it. He is God. He is with us. We are never alone. You see, our position shifts from one of defeat to one of victory. What a great declaration that is. I don't live from a position of defeat, but I live from a position of victory. You see, such is the transformative power of our almighty God. We don't live day to day from this position as well as me and everything's falling apart and nothing seems to work for me. I'm up against it. The world's against me. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. But we live from a position of, I live from victory because of who he is. I live from a position of victory because God is working on my behalf. You see, such is the transformative power of our almighty God. Let me give you the bridge to this beautiful psalm, this beautiful song. 
It speaks both retrospectively, but it also speaks prophetically. It speaks of what the Lord has done in the past, but it also speaks of what God can do and will do among the nations in the days ahead. Can I just remind you, church, we have great days ahead of us. We still have great days ahead of us. Sometimes we need to turn off the news and actually just stop and remember that God is in control. We still have great days ahead. The bridge goes like this. I always like the bridge of a song because it builds up to something. It takes you somewhere. It starts to get something going inside of you where you get a little bit excited and a little bit passionate and, 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 and you know you're getting towards the end of the song and it just feels right. Well, let me give you a great bridge this morning. Verse 8 and 9, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. You want to tell me how bad the world is right now? Just let me remind you, come and see what the Lord has done. You see, I pray that there would be a little bit of swagger, not arrogance, but just a little bit of swagger in our faith walk where we can stand up and go, maybe it's true. Maybe this is what the world is up against. Maybe this is what's going on right now. But just come over here for a minute. Just come close. Come, come and see what the Lord has done retrospectively. Because as we begin to look at what the Lord has done, our faith and our hope for the future should look a little bit different to what's being projected to us in and through mainstream news. Can I hear an amen this morning? I feel like preaching today. Let me give you verse 9. He makes wars cease. If you can't say amen to that this morning, check your pulse. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and he shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. I don't know about you, but I feel like singing right about now. My volume is about to go from 8 to 20. Not literally. I'll try and keep it together. I don't want to, you know, ruffle any feathers this morning. But I feel like singing He makes wars cease. Do you think our world doesn't need that right now? Do you think we don't need a God who would make wars cease? Because he can. He's done it before and he'll do it again. Can I hear an amen this morning? So here we have this picture. We are also to be people who can look retrospectively and sometimes we go okay at that we look back and go yep God's come through for me before but we also have to be a people who can speak prophetically a people who confidently speak retrospectively of what God done but a people who speak prophetic prophetically about what God can do and will do in the future I can't help but read verse 9 and have brothers and sisters, people I know, friends at the front of my mind in Myanmar right now. Our friends in Ukraine. I can't help but read verse 9 and just prophetically go, God, thank you that you are able to do that. Though I see no way, you make a way. He makes wars cease. 
We've got to speak prophetically. Are you hearing me this morning? See, we must be a people who declare God is with us. We must be a people who declare that we are never alone. Here comes a cool spot in the song. The guest walks in the room. He takes the mic. And God brings this verse, powerful verse. Most of us know it. God himself says these words. He says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Let me remind you this morning, friends, that this is not advice that God came and does his guest spot. He doesn't come and give this nice verse in the midst of the Israelites who are on some beautiful Balinese wellness retreat. It's not the setting. This advice was given in the middle of the Israelites' war, a time of conflict, a time of uncertainty. Can't we relate to that? And here comes God and he says, be still and know that I am God. Speaking of battles and wars, let me ask you this question. How's the war on your own downtime, on your own quiet time going? How's that going? Have you ever noticed that being still doesn't seem to happen just on its own accord? It doesn't come easy in this 21st century times I think we can all be guilty of wearing this idea of busyness like some sort of badge of honour. Like people will come to us and they'll say, how are you going? And it's like something's become embedded in us where we think if we say, oh yeah, I'm pretty busy, the person hearing will receive that and go, oh, impressive, they're busy. Well done. And we begin to wear busyness like a badge of honour. Allow me to remind you of a couple of things today. We are constantly being flooded, if you haven't realised, with media that tells us to live a life of more. It tells us to be more, to be more than we actually are or able to be. It tells us to want more. Every single advertisement that you ever view is done in such a way that it would make you want what that person is trying or that company is trying to sell. We're constantly being flooded with images and, and, and ads to want more, to be more, to do more. You know, little wonder that being still feels like it's under attack. There's a great saying and it goes like this, if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, he'll just get you busy because he understands that busyness, busyness will rob you of being still before an almighty God. You know, it's also helpful to note this, that in this setting, these words, be still and know that I am God, is not advice to us to merely lead a contemplative life, however important that may be.
Rather, it means this. Lay down your arms and surrender. Acknowledge that He is, God is, I am the one and only victorious God. And then here in the midst of our own personal busyness, conflict, uncertainty, whatever that looks like, here's God, the author and holder of all time, saying to each of us here today, lovingly and graciously, stop striving. Stop fighting. Stop trying to do things in your own strength. Stop stressing about the battle ahead and trust me. Surrender and acknowledge that he is the one and only victorious God. Can I hear an amen this morning? Let me remind you, verse 1 starts with God is our refuge and strength. You see, again, it's personal. The Psalms are personal. They are for God's people. They're for you and I. The Psalms are written for us. And they ought to remind us that God is more than enough. We are never alone. There is nothing my God cannot do. There is nothing that he cannot do. Jeremiah 32 and 7 says, uh, 17 says, Our sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Because of that, God says these words, verse 10, He says, Be still and know that I am God. That's the bridge. Then comes a reprise of that powerful chorus. Perhaps the grand finale of the song. That final declaration, that moment where you crank up the radio and you begin to sing a little louder. And this chorus outlines that we need nothing more. God is all that we need. Verse 11, it's a reprise of the verse 7. It says this, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see, with all songs, with all songs, whenever we learn a song, there comes a time when practice is over. There comes a time where we must stand and sing with confidence, a time to make a powerful declaration. You know, the Israelites were learning this. David had learnt and was learning this. And can I say today, lovingly and graciously, we would do well to learn the same, to make that declaration of who God is. Let me encourage you today. Speaking of God, there is one who fights for us. If you have nothing to declare this morning, let me remind you this today. There is one whom fights for us. There is one whom provides for us, comforts us. And there's one who has given us an eternal hope and future. 
and his name is Jesus. My heart and prayer today, and I believe that through what God's word, he would be turning lights on for us today, encouraging us, awakening some hearts, downloading some truth to our own hard drive, reminding each of us that we are never, ever alone. You see, many of the Psalms, including Psalm 46, are not to be mere poetic thoughts. They're to be a personal and powerful declaration. Let me remind you this morning, verse 11 says this, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. I pray that you could declare that over your own life today. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Verse 1 of that Psalm 46 says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in times of trouble. And even if we back it up just a little bit further, if I can pick on Psalm 23. Perhaps the most well-known psalm. Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. I love it. It's personal. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. You see, it's absolute. It's personal. And it's powerful. He's our protector and he is our provider. Church, it is great news. We are never, ever, 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 ever alone. Like all good songs, as I bring this to a close, it needs a guitar solo. Please welcome Josh Wilson. Not really. Well, welcome, but you don't have to play a solo. As we wrap this up today, as we close, Psalm 46 verse 10 is not the only time in Scripture where God says those words, be still. It's not the only time He says that. In Mark chapter 4, we find the same words, those same words, be still, but this time spoken by Jesus. And there's a great lesson in this for all of us today. The setting is this. It's a beautiful story. Jesus gets into the boat with his disciples and they're crossing over the lake. They're in the boat. They've had a big day of ministry. Jesus is up the front of the boat. He lays his head on a cushion and he taps out. He's had a big day. I don't know what you do when you've had a big day, but I have a favourite chair at home. The older I get, I guess the more frequently I find myself having little nana naps in that chair when time allows. And here's you going, what hope do you have, young man? And here's Jesus in the front of the boat, having had a big day, lays his head on a pillow in the boat they're crossing over 
The story tells us in Mark chapter 4 that the winds get up and it begins to buffet the boat. The boat's getting smashed. And there's a bunch of disciples in the boat who start freaking out. And they start fearing for their life. They start to fear for their future. They start to think, I don't know how this is going to play out. This is not what I thought would happen. Let me remind you that one third of the disciples were professional fishermen. I'm sure they'd been in some storms before, uh uh-huh. But this one got them good. And they're like, what's going to happen? I'm scared for my future. They wake up Jesus out of fear. They wake up Jesus. They essentially say this, Jesus, do something quickly. It's not good. And in Mark 4.39, we read these words. Speaking of Jesus, He got up. He rebuked the wind and He said to the waves, Quiet. Be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. You see, friends, this morning there is a silence and a stillness that should overtake us in the presence of someone that is so overwhelmingly holy and gracious, so holy and so glorious. And the call to each of us today is to be still before God. Be still before God. But don't just sit there and hum something. Sit there, be still and acknowledge who God is. Acknowledge our holy and our awesome and our glorious God. Understanding that we are never, ever, ever alone. Church, I hate, I I, I hate, I hope this word would encourage you today. You are never alone. God is with you. He's gone before you. He's by your side. You are never alone. There's a clip I want to wrap this message up with and I'm done. This clip, it's a song called Psalm 23. I am not alone. Truth be told, I can't take the credit for finding this clip. I'd prepared my message I had to record it for our online service. I did that on Friday. I'm uploading it and I discover that it had been predetermined that this clip would be played in our online service today. I open it up and it's Psalm 23 and it is a powerful, powerful declaration. It's titled, I Am Not Alone. It's an outstanding and passionate, it's infectious, And there's something when I watch this in me that just, it gets me. I just want to sing. I want to declare that God is good, that He is with me, that I'm never, ever alone. I pray that as you sit there this morning and listen to this song and this clip, there are some funny little moments. The guy leading it, he is so passionate. But I just want to be in the room where he is such as the anointing of God upon his life. 
But as we sit in this room, I pray that you would open your ears, open your heart and say, God, would you speak to me? God, would you restore in me that understanding that no matter what I face, I am never, ever alone. To borrow a question from Pastor Peter, God is speaking. Are we listening? God is speaking. He has spoken. But are we listening? I pray today that you would make this song that we're about to share together your own personal declaration that you would allow God to speak and minister to you today. Church, when this clip finishes, the team will come, we'll finish with the chorus. But I just want to say, God bless you. God bless you as you continue to chase after God, as you continue to lean into God, as you continue to be still in the presence of our almighty, almighty God. However you do that, whether you have a quiet chair, whether you have an apron over your head, God bless you. God bless you as you chase after the heart of God in your own life.